Hey guys, it's your host, your boy, George Mackay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call. 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay. Buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. What's going on, guys? Your host, your boy, George McKay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded. And I got a good one. I got a man much like myself, someone I admire, someone I hold very dear to my heart in terms of the interviewing world. He is a four-time Emmy winner, YouTube personality, Fox affiliate, all kinds of craziness. Please help me welcome to the show, Chris Van Vliet. George, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Like I said before we recorded, thank you so much for taking the time out for me. This is huge because, I mean, you're from Pickering. I'm from Brampton. I don't like to brag I'm from Brampton. Brampton is Brampton. But, I mean, it's just a huge honor to have a fellow Canadian like you on the show and somebody who kind of mirrors my own path. The well, man, there's nothing wrong with Brampton. You should be owning Brampton. <laughs> no, you're right. Brampton has its great spots. I've lived here my whole life, much like Pickering. Shout out to Pickering because I know you're a Pickering boy. Thank you. So, you know, you got to rep the cities where you can for sure. But, I mean, everybody knows your history, Chris. Everybody knows kind of where you got started and, and where you kind of how you got that internship, you pushed for that. That was crazy. I've read all the articles and the stories and it's just been a whirlwind of the last couple of years for you. But I wanna go back to the basics. I wanna go back to the beginning and kind of strip the whole persona down. When was the moment when you fell in love with wrestling? Do you remember that moment? Everybody's kind of got it. I call it the defining moment. Yeah, so I like I was aware of wrestling growing up in the 80s. It would just be on at my grandparents' house. Not that my grandpa was like a huge wrestling fan, but he just loved sports. So, you know, growing up in the Toronto area, if the Leafs weren't on or the Jays weren't on, I guess no one really watches the uh, Argos. Sorry, sorry, Argos. <laughs> Raptors didn't exist at that point. So <laughs> if something wasn't on, he would just kind of throw wrestling on on a Saturday night. So I just remember like being like, oh, wow, like these large in life characters kind of blew me away. It was Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man. But then you also had like Repo Man and Doink the Clown. So I was aware of it then. But the moment that I fell in love with it, it happened like very quickly. It was like 1998. I had a, one of my best friends who was from Scarborough, just throwing out all the, you know, all the Toronto cities here for anyone who's in the area and, and you know, is aware of them. And we did this crazy thing in the 90s called talking on the phone, which is, you know, what you did when you, you had a friend. And I knew that at nine o'clock on a Monday night, our phone call had to come to an end because Raw came on. He was a massive, massive fan. And I remember saying, look, I'll stay on with you till like the first commercial break and we'll just kind of see what this is all about. And I just remember being like, this is not the wrestling I grew up watching. Like, this is, this is so much different. And I loved it. It was Austin versus McMahon. And that was the real storyline that sucked me in. And then from that point on, it was Raw slash Night Show every Monday. And then I watched everything. I watched ECW and I watched Metal and Jacked and Heat and pay-per-views. I remember going to see my first pay-per-view 
was WrestleMania 2000 was like, I actually had paid and like went to someone's house and you know, we all throw in some money and everybody pays a little bit for the pay-per-view and then pays for the pizza. And that was it. I was all the way in from there. Wow. That's, that's crazy. You know what? I mean, if you go back through eras and you go back through everybody that I've interviewed, I, they always pinpoint kind of like the younger guys like us, the attitude era, but there's a lot of the older cats that, that pinpoint, you know, falling in love with the seventies and the eighties and stuff like that. But you were kind of translucent. You were there a little bit in the eighties with your grandparents, but then you kind of, you fell in love with it when it exploded and wrestling was pop culture. I mean, if you weren't a wrestling fan in the nineties, you were probably the lamest kid in school. If you didn't know who Stone Cold Steve Austin was, if you didn't know who McMahon was, you were that kid that everybody was like, no, no, don't talk to that guy. Yeah, if you didn't know what two words were, if I had two words for you and you didn't know the end of that sentence, you were a total nerd. Were the other cool thing about wrestling is it's kind of like that scene from Step Brothers where it's like, you know, when you see a kid in the hall of your high school wearing an Austin 316 shirt or a DX shirt, you're like, hold on, did we just become best friends? Yep. Yep, 100%. I have some of my lifelong friends that I have now we're wrestling fans. We grew up watching it together. Same thing with the pay-per-view. I remember my one buddy had the illegal black box. I don't know if I can yes. announce that, but I'm going to announce it. He had the illegal black box and you could get everything. And the best was when it got zapped, you could still kind of make out the imagery while his dad was kind of rebooting it and figuring it out. You could still make out some of the imagery. So I remember some pay-per-views seeing about 40, 50% of it. Some seeing the full hundred. It just depended on the luck of the draw with the box for sure. <laughs> we all had a friend who had the illegal box. And it would always get zapped right before a big event. Yeah, it was horrible. It was like they knew. They knew. And, of and course they like, did, yeah, yeah. They knew. They wanted to make sure we all suffered. But at the end of the day, we soldiered on. And now we have the <laughs> WWE Network and stuff like that for a very reasonable price of, you know, $13 or $14 a month. Depending yeah, on. it's $9.99 here in America. Wow. Oh. Lucky bastards. We get it. You know, we get it down here. We get the Canadian exchange rate, right? So I pay like fifteen seventy five after taxes. So it's it's fine. Oh. It's okay. HST. Yeah. I tell you, our government. But the one thing we share in common is that both of our political leaders are complete buffoons. Well, you have Trudeau, you have Trump. It's horrible. It's horrible. I just, I just say none of that really affects my day-to-day -day life. So I don't even look at it. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm right with you on that. So COVID. COVID has kind of steamrolled and stopped everything. But for people like us, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise because, well, you have a lot more connections in the world than I do. But I've been able to get a lot of great talent because their schedules have freed up. Have you found it yourself for your side of stuff when you're doing the interviews that it's made it a little bit easier to kind of get those names that you were trying to lock in now that schedules mm -hmm. have kind of opened up a bit? Yeah, definitely. And I was always doing interviews in person. That was my thing. I didn't want to do them over Zoom or Skype because I just... It's great. And I love that like you're in a different country from me right now and we're having this conversation in real time, but nothing beats human connection of being able to shake someone's hand when we were allowed to shake hands, but you know, being able to like look someone in the eye and like share in their energy. Um, and I, I always said that I was going to do all my interviews in person and, you know, it's well documented that I would travel to wherever to make these interviews happen. A lot of times that was flying from Florida where I was living at the time to, Las Vegas, a lot of trips to LA. I would even do stuff when I was in the UK. But yes, now it's definitely made it very easy. Like it's literally just email someone a link, they click on it and through the magic of the internet, here we are having this conversation. So yeah, def it's definitely helped. It's also helped that people's schedules aren't as busy, you know, as they once were. I mean, if, if this was pre-COVID, 
you know, your average wrestler would be working two, three, four days a week. And, you know, that's obviously a completely different scenario right now. So I remember when this thing first started, I did a whole week of live Q and A's with my guests and then fans could write the questions in, in the chat on YouTube. And almost everybody I reached out to and that week was Ryback and Barbie Blank. I mean, AKA Kelly Kelly, uh, Ken Shamrock. There were some big ones there. And I basically messaged them and said, hey, do you have any plans next Thursday? And everyone's answer was, of course, I don't have plans. Like nobody has plans right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of the response I got a lot of times. I'd reach out to somebody and be like, hey, dude, are you free like next Friday at like four o'clock? Uh, yeah, I got to walk my dog and then I got to wash my masks. And then, yeah, I'm pretty much available. Sweet. Okay, cool. Let's set this up. So like, that's the one good thing I could say is that as much as we're all socially distant, it's kind of helped the world slow down. And I think it's helped a lot of wrestlers heal their minds, their bodies, reconnect with family, which is important, uh, definitely important. Now for you being in the US, much like other wrestlers who are from Canada and you have family here, how hard was it not being able to maybe come back or connect the way you used to? Like if you had time off, you probably hop on a flight and come back, maybe chill out with your parents, right? But now that's yeah. not, not, now it's not possible right now. Yeah, my parents, when I was living in Florida, my parents would spend most of the month of February visiting me and visiting other friends that they had in Florida, which was great. It was an awesome time to see them and a great way for them to escape winter for a month. So I think that they, I think they were actually really counting on that. So my parents were planning to come see me uh, in April this year. And I mean, obviously those plans have fallen apart. So I haven't seen my family since last December, which is tough, but in reality, we now live in a world where we can pick up this little supercomputer that lives in our pocket and at least we can see their faces, you know, and that didn't exist 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago. So I would normally see my family two or three times a year. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to see them in 2020. I mean, the border's still closed. And my parents keep saying, well, you could come back. I said, yeah, I could come back, but then I have to quarantine for 14 days. So, you know, it's, yeah, I could come back, but... I don't know if it makes sense right now. So look, we've all made adjustments. We've all pivoted to this weird situation that we're in right now, but we're, you know, I, I'm, I think that we're all in this together. And that's the crazy thing about this. This has never happened in the history of like, certainly our generation, the history of like the countries that we live in, this has never happened. We're all in this thing together and we're all experiencing the same thing, which is I think the only thing that really makes us all kind of go, all right, well, it's not so bad because we're all experiencing it together. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, and, and the cool thing is, is that I think the world, ironically enough, if it makes any sense, the world has gotten a little bit more better at coping with these changes and coping on the fly. Like this happened right in the midst of school for my 10 year old daughter. So we had to kind of drop that. She did the online learning. We soldiered through that. Now they're back in class, but the class sizes are reduced and the school boards and the governments are doing everything they possibly can. Where I am now, obviously, in again, Brampton, Ontario, Canada, uh, we just went back into another 28-day lockdown. So they canceled out gyms, movie theaters, restaurants, in-dining. It's all gone to crap because our numbers keep going up. And I, I, I guess what you could say is that all you could say is that we have to keep take the step back, doing all the right things and making sure that we just soldier on. And like you said, we're all in this stuff together. And that's yeah. You know, John Cena said to me during our last interview, you got to control the controllable. And I think that that is so incredibly fitting for the situation that we're in right now. You know, instead of focusing on 
the things that you have no control over. Focus on what you can control and also focus on how you want to react to something. That's the biggest thing that you can control in every single situation is how do you want to react to that? That's completely within your control. So that's the situation we're in right now, man. And uh, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that if we have this conversation next October, that we'll be talking about it in a different light. Absolutely. If we, if we have this conversation again, I always say this at the end of my interviews, but I'm going to say it now. Chris, I don't have to tell you, you're part of the Straight Talk family. So if you're ever down here and we can make it happen where I get to interview you in person, that would be huge for me. Oh, I'd that love be, to. Yeah. I, would, I mean, I'm geeking out right now, dude. Next I'm time geeking. I'm home. Next time I'm home, we'll grab some Swiss chalet and make this happen. Yes. I'm, I, how did you know I was a Swiss chalet guy? I, I'm not, a, I don't eat the chicken though. I love the chicken, obviously, what? but I don't go for like the quarter or the half chicken. I love the chicken wraps. I'm okay. a wrap guy. So well, as I long did, as you're dipping it in the chalet sauce, that's all that matters. I dip everything in the chalet sauce. Okay. They I'll even do. drink it when it's done. I have yeah. no shame. No shame. So, so good. That's it's the biggest thing other than my family. Sorry, you know, mom and dad. It's the biggest <laughs> thing I miss other than them is Swiss chalet. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to try to, I'll have to skip the dishes some to you. It's going to be a really expensive bill. So you might have to meet <laughs> me halfway, but I'll skip the dishes to you for sure. For sure. Um, in terms of all the interviews you've done, and we could go, I could spend the next half an hour of this interview just listing everyone you've interviewed. It's been crazy. Jake the Snake, Gang Grill. Um, most recently, uh, the MMA gentleman, his name is escaping my mind. You just Ariel Hawani. Yeah. Fantastic interview. I actually just watched it, just finished watching it before. Oh, thank you. And it was great. I mean, every interview you do is great. You, you approach it from the fan perspective, much like myself, which I think really makes that personal touch come through in so many ways. But it's not just the wrestling, man. You've interviewed celebrities. I mean, you've been flipped off by Dwayne DeRock Johnson at the Ballers premiere. I mean, that, that's probably one of my favorite. I'm not going to lie. When he's just right beside you, a little middle figure. It's great. Yeah. It's great. But out of everyone you've interviewed, and I know it, it's hard. I ask this to the wrestlers all the time. Do you have a favorite match or a favorite body of work that sticks out to you? Out of all the amazing people you sat down with, is there one that kind of holds a special place in your heart, maybe from all those years of being a fan? Yeah, I got to say, I'm, I'm very incredibly grateful for the opportunities that I've had over my career. Like you said, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities, you know, comedians, musicians, and as a wrestling fan, it's pretty cool to be able to talk to wrestlers. So I would say that there's a couple that really stand out in my mind. Um, first and foremost, it is The Rock. It's Dwayne Johnson, and, and I, I've been fortunate to interview him nine times. Not that I'm counting or anything, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> But he meant so much to me. You know, as a kid who really got into wrestling in around 98, 99, I mean, The Rock was a huge, huge deal to me. And I, you know, I would walk around the halls of my high school asking people questions just so I could answer, it doesn't matter what you think, you know? <laughs> so, so for someone like, you know, for The Rock to mean that much to someone like me, to be able to meet him, when I meet him, 2012 was the first time I met him. So 14 years later, to be able to meet him it meant a lot to me. And I think it, it meant so much to me because of who he meant to me then, but it also meant so much to me because of who he is now. And he's very self-aware that he's the biggest star in the world. And he makes the moment special for you. Instead of just going through the motions of having an interview, he, he makes the, the moment special for you. He, he involves you in the moment. And he's smart and he's funny and he's incredibly charismatic, but you definitely walk away with a feeling um, you know, I, I don't specifically remember everything we've talked about, but I definitely remember that 
feeling every single time. And it's, it's that Mother Teresa quote. It's the, you know, people won't remember what you said, said or what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And The Rock's incredible for that. Another one, you know, really close to the top of that list is Tom Cruise, who's my favorite actor. I think that he gives his all in like every single performance. And I always wanted to interview him. It was Rock and then him. I finally got to interview Tom Cruise. It was on the red carpet for the Mission Impossible 6 premiere in Paris in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. So it really didn't get any better than that. And just like The Rock, like he looks at you dead in the eyes and there was a thousand people on that red carpet screaming his name, taking photos of him. You know, his attention could have been everywhere else, but he looked me dead in the eyes during our three minute conversation like I was the only person there. And it's like, wow, that's such an interesting quality. And that's something that I wanna be able to take from those interactions and try to apply them in my own life. I, I, I completely agree with you, man. And, and, and like you said, those two interviews that I've seen you do, those definitely rank high for me. I'm a big Tom Cruise fan as well. But Mission Impossibles, they hold a special place for sure. But when it comes to Tom Cruise for me, I got to say, guilty pleasure, Minority Report. I mean, that oh, movie man. is just crazy. Crazy yeah, good. I can watch it 50,000 times. And every time <laughs> I watch it, something different. I see something different. I think we could we could go on a half hour tangent about Tom Cruise, but I think he was so underrated in Vanilla Sky. And there's something about just the idea of that movie that he's living this life. And, and I don't want to give away too much for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen the film, but he's living this whole life, you know, experiencing these things as if they're actually happening. And I don't want to give away the ending here, but it's, uh, I just think that his performance there is amazing. That's one of my favorite Tom Cruise films. Yeah, I yeah, hands down, that's definitely ranks on my top five for sure. I mean, if we got to go Tom Cruise top five, in no particular order, Minority Report, Vanilla Sky, Top Gun, of course, Mission yeah. Impossible 2, because the crazy bike, bike chase sequence is insane, and then an honorable mention, a number five, just because Cuba Gooding Jr. shines in that movie as well, is Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is so good. I also think that... When he did Collateral, we saw a different side of Tom Cruise that we had never seen before. Also, his performance in Magnolia is so, so good. And oh. I think he got robbed. He should have won the Oscar for that film. And it's crazy to think that we're sitting here right now and Tom Cruise is not an Oscar winner. Yeah, I would have to say the, the cock in the walk speech was definitely probably, that's kind of a motivational speech I use in my everyday life. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's something I, I pride myself on for sure. Definitely the, do. the scene where he should have won the Oscar, the scene that should have solidified it is when he's being interviewed and the interviewer is bringing up the past about his father and you see, it's just in his eyes, you see this like change. He goes from being this arrogant, cocky guy to like, I want to kill you. And it's so insanely <laughs> subtle. And I think there's only a handful of actors on this planet that could pull this off and he pulled it off so perfectly. Yeah, you know, actually, now that you're thinking about it, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go. I'm going to go watch Magnolia. Okay, see you later. <laughs> um, in terms of, like, movies, because I'm a movie guy. I went to the Toronto Film School myself, so movies nice. are kind of etched in my blood like you. Um, directors. I mean, we're going off. We'll go back to wrestling. We'll circle back. But directors, I mean, do you have a top five list of directors? It's hard to narrow it down. I have my top five because I'm very picky. And I will let you know right now, James Cameron is not on any list. Whoo. I, I have my that. top five, yeah. but Avatar and all yeah. those, and Titanic, all those overhyped movies, they can all kiss the right side of my butt. 
No way uh, James Cameron is not on my list. He's not. Yeah, Avatar is definitely overhyped. And I, uh, I went to the opening of Pandora, the world of Avatar at uh, Disney World. And I went and rewatched Avatar for the first time in like eight years. And I'm like, oh, like, first of all, the, the, the theme of the movie is just okay. But the graphics that we were like all excited about in 2009, in a current world, we're like, oh, that's... Look, I get it was ahead of its time and I get that we have the movies we have now because of that. But top five for me, I don't know if I've never really thought about this. I, I know the first handful, definitely right off the top of my head. Um, Nolan, I, I, everything that Nolan's ever put out is a masterpiece. Fincher, he's so, so good. Damien Chazelle is gonna completely, I mean, the, the films he, he's made have been amazing, but he's gonna revolutionize filmmaking. We're gonna be talking about Damien Chazelle in 20 and 30 and 50 years from now because of what he did to change cinema. He just thinks about things so differently. And he's what, 32, 33 years old? Like it's mind blowing to think that he made Whiplash and First Man and La La Land before he was 30 years old or as he was turning 30. Like that's Whiplash is, is an absolute masterpiece. So there's, there's three right off the top of my head. I think you got to go with Hitchcock just because of, you know, what he did for, for cinema. And we're seeing so much in film now because of what he did. And then we'll round it out here with um, Denis Villeneuve. Because um, Prisoners, actually everything. Prisoners, so good. Yeah. So there we go. There's five right there. I, I like your five. My five kind of mirror yours a little Okay, bit. who are yours? I would have to say Fincher for sure. Um, I got to go classics because I'm a classic guy. I learned to appreciate and love. So for me, Billy Wilder. Sure. Anything Billy Wilder from the 30s, 40s, 50s were fantastic films. Hitchcock, of course. Uh, then I got to go with my half-blooded Italian heritage, man. I got to round it out with uh, Martin Scorsese. And I can't forget about my boy Francis Ford Coppola. I cannot. So good. Yeah. Look... It, I think that the list needs to be like 15 or 20 to really include everybody because to, for me to not have Scorsese on my list is, I'm, I'm so sorry. So sorry, sir. He's so good. Yeah, he is. And one I forgot, and my wife's going to sit there when she watches this and be like, how did you forget your idol? Uh, Quentin Tarantino, of course. Sure. Quentin yeah. Tarantino. Everything he's done, um, minus Death Proof, just because the fact that they kept mentioning the car from vanishing Yes, I get it, sir. It's the car from Vanishing. Yes, the 19. Yes, yes, yes. Took about, if you take out the amount of times they mentioned the Vanishing in that film, it's only about 23 minutes long. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, I get it. I, I get it. Let's move on. If we could just move on just a little bit, but right. I understand the build, the necessity of need to keep repetitively repeating it, but it got a little tiresome, but I might have to go back and give that one a second look. Look, Tarantino is just a genius. And the way that his brain thinks is completely different from how mine or yours thinks. So we are so very blessed to be able to live in a time when Quentin Tarantino is making films. Right, well, one more to go possibly because he said 10 and he was done. We're at nine now, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. There's a lot of crazy stuff that's been put on hold and I, I miss most of it. Like my, my 10, my 11 year old daughter now, sorry, her birthday was actually yesterday. So my 11 year old daughter, officially now 11, she just got into stranger things a little bit of time. ago. Okay. Yeah. So we showed her that and she fell in love with it. She, she's obsessed with 11. Now she wants to be 11. She just made me watch Enola Holmes, which is another Netflix film. Yeah, yeah. She's just obsessed with Millie Bobby Brown. So I want to talk TV for a second because we've talked <laughs> film and stuff. And, and that's what a lot of people have been doing now is been watching craziness, crazy amounts of stuff. 
when they're not busy. So what has Chris Van Vliet been binge watching? What's on your continue watching list on Netflix? By the way, we both forgot to say Steven Spielberg. We, oh my God, we suck. We're going to get raked <laughs> over the coals for this. We're going to get so many people are going to say, are you guys serious right now? Yes. Wow. You put Denny Villeneuve on there instead yeah. of Spielberg? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Spielberg also, you know, uh, it's been all the films from our childhood. Jurassic back to the Park. future. Come on, man. Back to the future, bro. No, he's not. Well, he's, he produced back to the future, but back to the future was directed by Zemeckis. Yeah. Who, but he still Spielberg had it. There was a Spielberg touch in there for sure. But definitely but it, you got to throw jaws. You got to throw, I mean, Schindler's list was a classic. I mean, I could go on Spielberg. You can Jurassic go on and on Park. for days, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jurassic Park. Yes. <clears throat> um, so what have I been watching? I, I like everybody when the pandemic started, I watched tiger King and was fascinated by it. I'm going to be honest. I don't watch a ton of TV. I've been spending a lot of my time. I go down these YouTube rabbit holes. So, you know, I go down these YouTube rabbit holes and as you know, one thing leads to another, but Ozark is definitely on my watch list for sure. I can't get enough of shark tank and I'm so happy it's, it's back. It's back on TV. Um, yeah, like that's probably that's probably like it in terms of like appointment viewing. I, I there's also like I have a few handful of I have a handful of shows that like will be my I'll just put that on while I like work on my laptop, like Pawn Stars or American Pickers. Like it could be any episode. I'm not really paying a ton of attention to what's going on, on the screen, but I think those shows are just so well done. But yeah, uh, I think the greatest show of all time is Breaking Bad. And I could watch that over and over and over again. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Seinfeld, which is obviously spun off into Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is so good. So yeah, that's that's probably it for me. Uh, I think we just became best friends because you just listed <laughs> all like some of my favorite, like I mean, Breaking Bad, I can watch that 50,000 times over and it's still, yeah. it's still fantastic. So his, good. his descent into like the most sadistic person of all time has no no bounds the acting in that show is superb everything about yeah. it is absolutely superb and much like um a lot of other shows it ended right it was one of those shows i wasn't upset with the way it ended it ended the way i knew it was going to end from the first episode i said this is if this ends it's got to be this way and it and it was and there's only a handful of shows i could say that about uh, big bang theory uh futurama all these shows ended the right way for me, Married with Children. Uh, and then there's some yeah. shows that, as much as I love Seinfeld, uh, the ending was a head scratcher for me. I thought they could have done so much yeah. more with it. And another good ending for sure uh, has to be Friends. Thanks to Netflix, I've watched it like 80,000 times over. Yeah, Seinfeld, Seinfeld might have the worst finale of all time. But if we're talking I, about shows ending, how do you think Ozark's going to end? You know what? There's so many different layers. And I've, I'll be honest with you, I've only watched the first season, so I am behind. Okay, okay. But from what I've seen in the first season, I mean, it's one of those shows where I almost feel like it's got the Sopranos feel to it, where eventually everyone is just going to die. Mm. But I also feel like there's ways to get out of it. It just depends on how crafty the storytelling becomes. That's Well, as you get into season two and three, you will see that uh, they start to get very crafty. Wendy and Marty, especially Wendy, it's very crafty. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. I will take your word for it. I got to get back on, on the rabbit hole of that for sure. Um, let's get back to the interview side of stuff. 
when you started all this and you started doing all these amazing interviews and kind of seeing the YouTube numbers rise and rise and how fantastic your channel is, was it surreal for you to kind of take that all in and be like, you know, I'm 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, the numbers just keep going up. Was it crazy for you to think, wow, all these people are paying attention to me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this happened as an accident. You know, I started a YouTube channel because I just wanted a place for these interviews to live. So the backstory is I was doing interviews for the TV stations that I was working for, interviewing celebrities and musicians and comedians. And I was just like, it started off by me going, do you think I can interview a wrestler? And my boss going, yeah, yeah sure. Like we've had wrestlers on before. And I was like, oh my God, like I get to interview wrestlers and get paid? Like, this is crazy. So I would ask them questions that I knew we could use on TV, but I'd also ask them questions that I wanted to know the answer to as a fan. And we would air 20, 30 seconds on TV. And then the rest of the interview, 10, 15, 20 minutes would just never be seen. And I thought, I gotta put this online. And it was actually seeing Ariel Hawani's interviews online and also way back in the day, Arda Ocal, who ended up becoming Kyle Edwards in uh, WWE, another Toronto guy. Uh, he was, when he was working for the score, he was putting up these raw interviews on YouTube. And I was just like, I should start putting mine up just so that like there's a place for it to live. And I remember very specifically, I interviewed the Miz before he threw out the first pitch in Cleveland. When I was working in Cleveland, he threw out the first pitch at the Indians game. We did like a quick three, four minute interview, but there were a few nuggets in there that he had never said before in an interview. So I threw this up on my YouTube channel. Didn't really think anything of it. Woke up the next day and there were 6,000 views in this video. And I'm like, that's crazy. I'd, I had like 30 subscribers at the time. Then I woke up the day after that and there were 36,000 views. I'm like, wow, like this is like, there's, we're onto something here. And that's when I realized that it was getting picked up by dirt sheets. It was getting picked up by blogs and message boards. And I'm like, well, like other people are enjoying this like I am. And it wasn't until probably 2018 that I started going out of my way to start doing these interviews. I was just doing them whenever wrestlers were in town or whenever, if I was at WrestleMania, I'd try to do one or two at Access. And then in 2018, I'm like, what if I started like going to indie shows and like doing interviews while I was there? What if I was, I was living in Florida? What if I drove to Orlando? Thousands of wrestlers live in Orlando. What if I started doing that? And that's when I really started to gain some momentum. And I think what was so crazy to me was when I started to calculate the numbers in my head, more people were watching these YouTube videos that I was shooting on my iPhone than were seeing me on TV hosting this TV show on the Fox affiliate in Miami. And it was just like, I was trying to like wrap my head around the fact that like the old world of media and the new world of media were like merging. And now the new world's kind of taking over because on the internet, you know, there's no boundaries. Anyone can watch this. They can watch it as many times as they want. They can live in any country and watch this. And that was what was so surreal to me. That was what was crazy was seeing interviews getting millions and millions of views and, and knowing that it was all being done within a vacuum. Like it's so weird to sit in a hotel room with one person and oftentimes my phone sitting there on a tripod, it's just us two in a room. And it's crazy to think that millions of people would see that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And it's crazy, it's the whirlwind that's happened. But I, I, one thing I love about the interviews to, and to uh, say this again is that you say it from a fan's perspective. You even mentioned it just before in that second, just on that question you answered, that you, you asked the questions you wanted to know as a fan. So I, I gotta ask this question, because I'm a fan of you. 
When you've asked one of these questions, has there ever been a wrestler that's kind of said, I, you know, I can't answer that, or I, I'm not going to answer that, or I don't know how to answer that. Has there ever been a question that you didn't get the answer to that you were looking for? Yeah, many times. Like, and they don't want to break kayfabe, and I get it. You know, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. But I remember asking the Miz, and this, when did we do this interview? Seven years ago. I said, when did you find out you were going to cash in the money in the bank? And he goes, oh, like right at that moment, like right, you know, like when I went out to the ring, I'm like, Mike, come on, like, at what point did they did they tell you that that was going to happen? And, oh, right then, like when I cashed it in. <laughs> All right. Like, I get it. I get, I get what you're doing here, but I wanted, you know, and I get that he, he was protecting it and that makes perfect sense. And I have a lot of respect for that, but I just wanted him to, you know, tell me like, Oh yeah, they came up to me three weeks before and said, here's the plan. And you're going to have the belt for this long. The other one was I asked big show about the collapsing ring. You know, that's a question I think we've all wondered. Yep. And he was just like, I can't tell you the answer to that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, it's just me and you. He's like, I can't tell you. So yeah, I mean, it happens frequently. Um, I've been fortunate that I haven't like asked a question where someone's got pissed off. You know, I would hate, hate for that to happen because the, the way I look at it is if, if I piss off my guest, now all their fans are gonna be pissed off at me. So that's the last thing that I wanna do. I wanna approach every interview with a, a great amount of respect for that person and what that person's accomplished. Absolutely, I completely understand. And now to flip that question, when you've asked the question, you'd be dying to get the answer to, and then you get the answer. Is that like, damn, like I was, I knew that's what I wanted to hear, but now that you said it, it's like, damn, that kind of takes a little bit away from me now. No, I don't think so. I think that it, it makes it kind of like more interesting. Now, you know, like, you know, the ins and outs of it. Like I'm going to have a uh, Matt Seidel on tomorrow. And I was at an indie show with him about a month ago and he was signing an autograph for this kid. And the kid goes, uh, you got to tell me about that RKO, the shooting star into the RKO. And he told this great story about like how that all came together. He actually was talking about how it actually wasn't the first time that that move had been done. And he was giving so much credit to the other wrestlers that he had done this move with. And the, the story is just so fascinating. So I know when I do this interview tomorrow with Matt Seidel, I know that so many people are gonna be able to appreciate like, oh, that's, that's how this thing happened, yeah. In the same way that like, when a director tells you how like an epic scene was shot in a movie, I think it makes you appreciate it that much more. You know, when, when you find out that Christopher Nolan had a spinning room, when they shot that incredible scene from Inception where they're fighting on the walls and the ceiling, you go, wow, I mean, that scene looks amazing, but think about like everything that had to go into that scene to make it work. I, I think that makes it even more impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And I knew that's how you were gonna answer that, but now that you've said it, I appreciate it that much. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, I got to play a game with you because now you've lived in the States for so long. There may be some things about Canada that you're missing. Oh, so I want to do a, what do you prefer type thing? For example, Ooh. the first question would be a McDonald's coffee or Tim Hortons coffee. Ah, uh, well, I don't drink coffee, Okay. but uh, for the sake of my Canadian friends, I will definitely say Tim Hortons. I mean, McDonald's coffee. Mm. I like it. I actually do. I like, I like really? it a little. I, I do. I like it a little bit more. I'm not a. I am. A, I drink one a day for sure. But I if I have and also I have two McDonald's near my house, so it's kind of a matter of convenience at that point. 
There it is. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is a huge, huge thing here. All right. So let's talk. Um, let's talk sweets and stuff because we have yeah. some stuff over here that you don't have over there. Yeah. So it's not a sweet, but it's more of a savory, salty kind of snack. Regular or ketchup chips because they don't have them over there. Oh, they don't have ketchup chips here. And I was never a huge ketchup chip fan. Oh, you're breaking my heart. I know I'm killing you here. But <laughs> look, just for the sake of nostalgia, give me those ketchup chips. All right. And um, hmm. well, I, I know that there's different flavors of this. I'm not sure if you're into this, but since we're on the food train, we have to keep it going. Um, so many different flavors of you know chocolate bars. There's like 20 different flavors of oh. Kit Kats. Some you guys have over there, some we have strictly over here. So in terms of, of a chocolate bar, I really can't narrow it down and say, well, do you prefer Kit Kat over Mr. Big? But I'll throw out a couple I like and I'll see what you say. I am a Kit Kat guy, but I also prefer Score. So out of those two, are you a Kit Kat guy or a Score guy? I'll go with Score for sure. And I will say there's a couple of big, big things to point out here. Chocolate bars aren't called chocolate bars in America. What? They're called candy bars. And that was a big adjustment for me. I'm like, oh, you mean a chocolate bar? Like, yeah, a candy bar. I'm like, Okay. Also, uh, they don't have crunchy bars here. They don't have Arrow here. Uh, I, they don't have O'Henry here. They don't have Cherry Blasters here. Oh, oh my god! Or Fuzzy Peaches. I miss those so much. They don't have. They don't even know what sour keys are. Are you? No. 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 They don't even know. Wow. They're yeah. missing out on a ton of stuff, man. The sour key was my childhood from like five to seven. If I didn't have a sour key, I was pissed at the world. You went, you know, when you went to uh, Becker's, is that where you would go? Yeah, yeah. Becker's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Any and, convenience store, really. Right. And you'd get the five cent candies, but the sour keys, they were 25 cents. So you had to decide, how are you going to spend your loonie? But it was really, how are you going to spend your, it was like 93 cents, I think it was, right? You could get yeah. like 93 cents worth of candy or something. About that. Yeah. 93 or 95 cents. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't like, and pennies were a thing back then. So yes. I, I remember a lot of times I paid in pennies, not even rolled up, just a bag of change on the table. <laughs> I did it a hundred times. You know, but, I will say I, I miss Nanaimo bars. That is not a thing here at all. You're, you know what? I think you, I think you, you your parents are right. You need to come back quarantine for 14 days and just get back to what you're missing out on. Just gorge on Nanaimo bars and Timbits. And it's it's rare, but you can find butter tarts here, but they're not definitely not as big here as they are there. The butter tart is like a classic. Like I, we have obviously Thanksgiving just happened here in Canada, the real Thanksgiving. You and I both know that it is the real Thanksgiving. Pumpkin pie, all that stuff. But my mom has this little bakery near her house and she buys these butter tarts every year. She buys oh. six of them and they're about that big. So they're about like double the size of a, of a butter tart. So like a, a double butter tart, if you wow. will. And a little bit of whipped cream on the top of that thing. And oh, dude, it's, it's heaven. It I is heaven. And when it's gone, it's, I miss it. I want next Thanksgiving to come a lot quicker. I do. I want next <laughs> Thanksgiving to come a lot quicker. I just miss it so much. So speaking of that though, because when this episode drops, it'll be close to the American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then yeah. we're steamrolling right into Christmas. And that's definitely going to be different this year because of everything that's happened. But looking back at everything that's happened this year, when you're sitting down with your for your turkey dinner, the American Thanksgiving, what would Chris Van Vliet be thankful for? I think 2020 has been a great year. I really do. And I, I know I'll receive a lot of pushback for that. But look, 
the negatives are always available in every single situation, but so are the positives. And I get that, you know, there, a lot of people have gone through a lot of trying times and I get that, but there's also been a lot of opportunity in 2020. So first and foremost, I would be so thankful and so grateful for my health, um, which I heard a great quote and I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but it's basically health is the jewel on the, um, on the healthy man's crown that only the sick man can see. And it's like, we take it for granted so, so much. So I'm really grateful that I'm healthy and I'm grateful that everybody in my life is healthy. Uh, I'm really grateful that I was able to move. I'm now living in California and there's a lot of opportunities here. And I'm grateful to be able to have these kind of conversations. Like I'm grateful that you would even care to have me on. Like, thank you for going out of your way, reaching out to me and inviting me to have this conversation. I'm still blown away that people consume my content. Like that's still so mind blowing to me. And I'm, I will eternally be grateful for that. And I have it written down here, you know, I have a t-shirt that says this, like be great and be grateful. And the two go hand in hand. If you're grateful, you'll end up living a great life. I think that's a great quote. And I think you're a fantastic human being. And this conversation has been so amazing. And to quote one of my favorite rappers, who is a Canadian homegrown talent classified from Nova Scotia, oh, just, yeah. released, just released his new time EP, but there's a track on there called I Love It. And in one part, he goes, life's a journey, not a destination. And today, this conversation was one step of an amazing journey that I've led over the past three years that I've started this podcast. And now the tip of the hat that I could say, I interviewed Chris Van Vliet and him and I are friends. We became best friends. We announced it on the show. We became <laughs> best friends because we love TV movies and all the same stuff. And we both forgot Steven Spielberg and Quentin Tarantino in the director's list. And a lot of people are going to hate both of us, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay because they're going to hate us together, not separate together. And uh, to, to let all the fans know that this all started because I woke up one morning on Twitter and Chris followed me. Chris followed me and I was geeking out. I ran, I literally jumped on the bed after brushing my teeth and I went to my wife and I said, babe, babe, look at this. Do you see this? And she's like, it's like 8.30 in the morning. I'm like, but babe, Chris followed me. And she's like, okay, that's great, honey. I'm like, forget it. You know what? Nobody's accepting my thunder right now. You're all stealing it. It sucks. Everything sucks now because nobody's appreciating this as much as I am. But it was, it was a great moment and I was honored to have you follow me. And then on Instagram, when I shared it, you were like, keep up the good work. That means that you've, you've paid attention a little bit to what I'm doing. And I appreciate that. And I know I'm on the right track. If I got somebody like you saying, hey, keep up the good work. That means one day I'll be, there'll be another podcaster wanting me on their show. And I'll be, I'll be the one who'll be grateful. It's like that passing of the torch thing. You yeah, carry yeah. it forward, you pay it forward and respect is shown. So for me to you, thank you, sir. Well, you deserve it, man. And keep up the great work. And I always say that the two toughest things about podcasting are starting and then continuing it because everyone talks about it. Everyone dreams about it. Everyone comes up with a great name and I'll be so funny and everyone will listen. And then you never end up doing anything about it. So my hat's off to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but my hat is off. Actually, that's why it's off. Yeah, my hat's off to you for doing this and sticking with it. And I want to acknowledge you for that because it's not easy. And, and, and you know, it's not easy to stick with it when you've got other stuff going on in your life. And podcasting is a true labor of love because you're not making much money from it, if anything at all. So it's a true labor of love to put in the work, put in the research, do the editing, upload it, do everything, um, all because you love it. 
That's very true. You understand the struggle. You know the struggle. I, I look at it this way. I have a friend of mine who made a t-shirt for his podcast. It was eat, sleep, record, edit, repeat. That's it. That's literally a podcaster's life. Yep. We know that. Now the rest of the world knows that. Chris Van Vliet, before you go, like I said, you are officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime you want to come back on the show, I would be absolutely honored to have you. And if anyone is stupid enough to not be paying attention to you, where can they find you on the wonderful world of social media? <laughs> well, you can find my podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast, The Chris Van Vliet Show. And it's just at Chris Van Vliet on every social media. So uh, drop a follow, say hello, so I can say hello back to you. He does. He really does, guys. He communicates. I messaged him. He got back to me right away. I geeked out a little bit there, too. I can say that now. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, guys, as always, I am your host, your boy. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the socials to find out who next week's guest is. I won't tell any of you because you have to follow the socials. But if Chris wants to know, I'll tell Chris off air. And Please. Chris, again, I was honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Stay safe and healthy over there. And when you, I'm going to hold you to it. When the borders open up and you come home, you're going to call me, you're going to text me, and we're going to do this one face-to-face. -face. And I'm going to go get myself a quarter chicken white. Can't wait. The Skip the Dishes is coming. I just got to save up a couple thousand dollars. It is on its way. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's your host, your boy, George Mackay. Today's episode was brought to you by our official sponsor, Ray Bernardo of Road Sport Chrysler. This man has been in the auto business for 25 years. Everyone that has gone to see him has saved money on every single car deal that he's made. But more than ever now, in these uncertain times, he's doing more than that. If you've got lease and financing options that are too high, give him a call. If you've got auto repairs that you just can't afford, give him a call. Ray's reaching out to give back, and he's doing that because of 25 years of experience. So be sure to give Ray and his team a call. 888-656-3013. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Road Sport, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Don't overpay. Buy from Ray. Now the official sponsor of Straight Talk Wrestling. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you.